They say the world can be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if you're hungry and thirst. Doesn't push you from position, last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing a ghost. That's what makes me the GOAT. Depending on who you ask, my brother, whatever task, got it covered like a mask. Guaranteed they can't see me at the open run. Cause I cook competitors until they look well done. Don't act like you don't know where I hail from. I had to climb up out the trenches, sit on benches till my time had come. Don't be mad at the player, be mad at the game. Sneak this in the hating, that's a flag on the play. Me falling off, huh? That'll be the day I'm like, bolt in the race, leave the track, flambe, it's the open run. I'd rather be resolute and wrong than wishy-washy and praying toward being right. Welcome to The Open Run with Will Strickland, and that would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at PressWeArePress.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter, Will Strickland and the number one on IG, and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can be found. It's been a wild week. It seems like every week is wild recently. Maybe it's the pandemic, I don't know. Maybe it's just people dealing with lots of different things, but then in the words of that immortal Negro, postmodern contemporary literary giant, Andre Lauren Benjamin, of course, you know I feel like the bearer of bad news. Don't wanna be it, but it's needed, so what have you. As I send rest and power shouts to Earl Simmons, better known to you as DMX, Darkman X took his leave from this planet on April 9th, allegedly from an overdose of drugs, which led to a heart attack, although there are speculations there that he also took the COVID shot, which led to this reaction. Again, not going to do a deep dive on that, but want to honor someone who was very prolific uh, in his experience. I do recall his first single, Born Loser, coming out and not doing a whole lot when he was signed to Columbia Records and then meeting him in San Francisco. And maybe like a year and a half later, with basically the same song, coming out and destroying the game, releasing two albums in the same year was unprecedented. He was all over the place. He was on fire. What was also on fire was his public struggle with drug abuse and mental health issues stemming from childhood traumas, you know, whether it be sexual abuse, whatever the case might be. And he lived very openly. Like that was one thing about, there was no pretension with X. He lived it the way he was going to live it. He lived hard. He lived fast. He lived raw. But there was somewhere in there that struggle between the good and evil, the dark and light that we all struggle with. And he did it openly. He did it on stages. He did it on reality TV shows. He did it in rehab. Safe homegoing X. Also, I don't know what the deal is and what's in the waters of Lake Minnetonka there in Minnesota. But black men seem to get killed at a disproportionate rate somehow, especially recently. Young man, 20 years old, father of a two-year-old. By the name of Dante Wright, died this weekend over having air fresheners in his rearview mirror. He died at the hands of the police. Air fresheners. He's made to get out of the car for a traffic violation and shot because he was afraid. Called his mother before he left the car saying they're stopping me and I don't know why. Where's the insurance? Never got a chance to show them. A man who went to multiple massage parlors and spas in Atlanta was handled with kid gloves. Murdered multiple people. Not a scratch. Man who went into a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado, came out spraying the AK or whatever he was shooting. Killed 10 people. Walked to the police vehicle. Walked. Gently. 
Virginia, a serviceman, a lieutenant in the military service of this United States of America, was accosted for a traffic violation because allegedly he would not follow instructions to get out of the car. For what? Give him his ticket, let him go on his way. I was just on the podcast this past weekend with two of my favorite people on the planet, Rod and Karen Morrow from The Black Guy Who Tips. They have a segment on their show called Guess the Race. In a world where we live in hashtag two Americas, guess the races of Dante Wright, George Floyd. You don't have to. And guess the races of the two gentlemen who were, I shouldn't call them gentlemen, the two people, it's hard to call them that, who hunted and murdered citizens of the United States and killed them. Eh, it is what it is, right? Now think about the words of the late Earl Simmons, who was recently on Drink Champs, this podcast, and he said, always trust everyone to be themselves, but trust in the fact that you can see them well. And we can see them. We try to ignore them. It's my grandmother, blessed that you should always say, you know, sometimes in life, the obvious is the hardest to see, mostly because we don't want to see it. Now you tell me what that means. Moving on to basketball. Texas Tech University guard Mac McClung, a transfer from Georgetown University, is now officially, in my opinion, a professional student athlete or student athlete free agent as he's entering the NBA draft once again and as a backup entering the transfer portal to ensure that if he steps out of the NBA draft, doesn't see if he's a high draft pick, he's going to go back to college for another year. Which one? We don't know. America offers choices to lots of people, different types of choices. I'm glad that Mac McClung is exercising every right that is available to him to test the waters in the NBA and also come back and go to a different school because he may not like the coach. He may not like how he's going to be employed. Might want to find a better situation. Good on him. But but looking at Mac, I have to be honest, and you know, I might get dragged for this, but this situation reminds me of how, you know, you ask your partner whether they be male, female, or however they gender identify, where they want to go for dinner. When they want to get some food and they can't make up their mind. You know how this works, right? Baby, where you want to go? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's go get some Chinese. I don't want Chinese. Huh? Let's go for... I don't want that. Why don't we get... I don't want that. I'm not saying that's Mac McClung, but I understand. Same thing could be said for Kawhi Leonard. Could it? Maybe. He's exercising his right as a free agent, a potential free agent next year, as he can opt out at the end of this year. And made a statement recently, and I don't know if it came from him or Uncle Dennis. If you're not familiar with Uncle Dennis, look up Kawhi's Uncle Dennis. He was instrumental in how he's been moving from San Antonio to Toronto and then now home in L.A. And it was a statement that was made that he was more than likely going to re-sign with the Clippers unless something drastic happens. But what could possibly go wrong in L.A. with all that firepower, the teammates you wanted? What could go wrong? It's championship or bust in L.A., and if they don't do it, the possibilities that Patrick James Riley could be calling, saying, come on down to Miami, no taxes, Jimmy Butler, got some shooters, got some nice bigs, young big, and Bam Adebayo, all-star. He's not Serge Ibaka. He's not DeMarcus Cousins. Definitely not Zubats. Got a good, solid coach who's won championships with you know a star player, with multiple star players. Come on down. Now, is he going to leave? Probably not. But this is the art of the deal. I don't know if he can push the price up or if it's more enticing, but what happens at the end of the season will determine where Kawhi Leonard plays. I don't care how many homes he builds in San Diego, uh, condos he has right next to the Staples Center. It doesn't matter. He's already won titles. He's already won a finals MVP. He doesn't have to stay in Clipperland and build some more. He wants to build on his legacy. Oh, I forgot. Fan loyalty. Yeah, we'll get to that some other time. I'm tired of talking about it. Anyway. 
We'll see how he makes up his mind. The WNBA draft is coming up April 15th and lots of really, really good players that hopefully you guys got to know through our coverage here on the Open Run and also through watching the games of the Women's March Madness Tournament. I'm looking forward to see where some of the top players like Charlie Collier from the University of Texas or Ari McDonald from Arizona, who's probably going to end up in Dallas somehow because of how the you know, mock drafts are working, or Dijanae Carrington from Baylor, who will probably end up with Bill Lambeer in Las Vegas. She's tough. I think she's the kind of player that they would want there. But one player who's standing out to me is a Finnish young lady of South Sudanese origin and heritage by the name of Awak Kurier. And I'm probably not saying that right, but it's K-U-I-E-R. Kuye, maybe. I don't know. Maybe they Frenched it up. I have no idea. Don't be mad at me. I'm learning. She's 19 years old, about to go into the WNBA draft. Yes, I'm going to talk about Paige Beckers. Yes, I'm going to talk about Caitlin Clark from Iowa, who have to be 22 years old. And their classes have to have graduated. Here's a 19-year-old who's playing professionally overseas. She can come to the WNBA. Why cannot Paige Beckers? We want equal pay. We want equality across the board. But why won't they change these archaic rules between the WNBA, the WNBPA, and the NCAA? Let's figure it out. As a matter of fact, Minnesota Lynx head coach Cheryl Reeve and forward Nafisa Collier are lobbying the NCAA to withdraw competition in any competitions of any NCAA schools from the states that have enacted legislation against transgender athletes. Collier says that transgender athletes are teammates, not foes. They should be able to compete on any level, no matter what the situation is, no matter what their orientation is. Should not see them as a threat. If you guys recall, the NCAA removed the championship events from North Carolina back in 2016 after the passage of House Bill 2, a law that required all people to use bathrooms in accordance with their sex assigned at birth. In addition, the ACC relocated its football championship from Charlotte and the NBA removed this 2017 All-Star Game from Charlotte to New Orleans. Could this happen as a result of 56 legislative measures being filed in more than 30 states during this legislative session? Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi have actually signed bills in these measures into law. The motivation for these bills, according to lawmakers, of course, who were more than likely Republican, is said to be for the protection of women's sports. Of course, women can decide what works for women because I can almost guarantee the majority of these legislators who are making these decisions are male. I've never been wrong. Maybe mistaken once or twice. Reeve and Collier are pressing the NCAA to be as swift and resolute as these states have been in enacting these laws. The NCAA is about their money. They don't want to mess with the church house money. They did just enough in 2016 and 2017. They feel like we still had to have our tournaments. We put them in bubbles. Still got to make our money. And this is going to test the pockets of not only the people in those states under the guise of protecting women's sports, but also the NCAA in and of itself. On Equal Pay Day last week, National Women's Soccer Team champion Megan Rapino and Warriors forward Jeremon Jamal Green Sr. carried on their dialogue over equal pay. She responded to some tweets that the ladies were complaining about things instead of doing things that actually got them what they wanted. Rapino fired back, said that, what do you think we've been doing for years? What do you think that Billie Jean King had done, whether she's playing in the Battle of the Sexes back in the 70s against Bobby Riggs, showing that women can compete on the same stage and should earn the same amount of money? And now that Serena and Venus Williams have made sure that men and women all get equal pay at every tournament. 
Draymond's response to Megan Rapino was tepid. He said that he was on their side. She got him out here watching his words like a damn teleprompter, like a library. But the story rages on and the saga continues. There are no easy answers to any of these issues in regard to transgender uh, equality or equal pay. Because when comparatives are made between the NBA and WNBA, the numbers are striking. The NBA generated $7.4 billion, to which the average player would receive $6.4 million. The WNBA generates $60 million in revenue. The players, on average, get $72,000. However, the players of the WNBA also get a higher percentage of the total revenue from their league. So what is the argument? How does this get fixed or for a league like the WNBA? Some say more exposure, more resources. They do have a TV deal with ESPN. I'm not saying it's all solved, but it took almost 40, 50 years for the NBA to even get free agency. They didn't get a national TV deal, a solid TV deal, until 1994. The league had been around since 1946. Everything takes time, at least in this situation. I don't want to do the blanket indictment or blanket engagement piece on how everything should be equal because that's not how life works. But in this instance... Giving more resources and creating an opportunity for women to come in the early entry draft, to create interest, to spark interest, to spark fan engagement, fan support, overwhelming fan support, at support will be the key. Will it happen or will we do the Marvin's Room thing on this where, you know, Drake tells you, hey, girl, you could do better, but doesn't exactly tell her how she could do better. Or the guys in this FedEx commercial who come in there, I guess they, they are the analytics guys who come in and tell this you know, guy who built his company up from his bootstraps, how to run this company and do these things and modernize and do this. And he punches his hand on the table and says, do it. And they say, wait a minute. Um, we don't do what we're saying we want you to do. We just tell you that you should do this. I don't know what the solution is. There are no easy answers. But we'll have some questions and answers with our special guest on the other side once we come back to the open run right after this. Welcome back. You are now listening to the sounds of The Open Run with Will Strickland here on Press. We are Press.net. And with my special guest, my man, E-Rob, Eddie Robinson, former Garden Fork for the Chicago Bulls and, of course, the Charlotte Hornets, who, if I'm not mistaken, drafted you. What's up to Eddie? What's up, Ed? What's happening? What's happening? Thanks for having me, you know? Please, man. You know what it is, family. (laughs) It is what it is. So... I'm not going to go real deep in your res- Run your resume, my dude, because you definitely had the road less traveled to get to the NBA. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, d- I didn't play high school basketball at all. Mm. Like, not a second. I dropped out probably in the middle of the ninth grade. Say word. Yeah, man. Um, the whole the whole drug pandemic. Mm. Tore my city up, man, and, and and it destroyed a lot of household household homes, man, household families, man, and 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 I I'm living proof of that. I went through that whole thing. My parents left us at I was probably say nine and a half, 
Mm. Um, found just just the foundation one right. So ended up moving with my granny. She had everybody. She had all my all my cousins, all my nieces. We all stayed with granny, right? Because you know when mama mess up, everybody go stay with big mama, right? So big mama got to take care of it, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that was my situation. You know what I mean? And you know she was she was retired retired teacher. Mm-hmm. So you know she 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 was on, in chill mode, right? She wasn't really into like gonna raise no kids like that. So it was so many of us. She couldn't even really be hands on and keep up with us because it was so many of us, right? And she mm-hmm. had like she had like a house apartment, meaning there's a house upstairs and everything, and there's a house downstairs and right there's downstairs full of kids, and we you know what I'm saying. So on the north side, on the north side of Flint, right? Flintstone? Yeah, the, the north side of Flint, Michigan, right? Wesley Street, you know what I mean? That's where I grew up at. Um, drugs, gang infested. Just a lot of just a lot of stuff that I had to be aware of and watch and learn what not to get into, what to get into, what you know what I mean? So I mm. learned first of all through all that, just, just watching from, you know, step as soon as I step outside, you see the game, right? So Without that was question. wild, man. Drive-by shootings, all of that gang banging, that was that was that was crazy. Then, especially like I got to junior high school, that's when that's when the gang was like you got the you got the Crips and you got the Bloods, you know what I'm saying? All and going to what, up, yeah, all going to what school? Not that I really know what the colors mean, right? Because at that age, you you don't really know what the colors is. I was 10, 11 years old seeing that, right? But that was that Ice Cube joint, that my summer vacation where it spread from L.A. You know, it started coming back other way. Yeah, everywhere. Like you see, you see how it is today now. How everything is just so like gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. If you even if you're not in it, you affiliated. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's a lot of cats in the league still <laughs> kind of affiliated. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just it's just you grow up near a certain element, man. It's just part of it, and I think people, for what it's worth. Uh, have a misconception to some degree about what it actually means to grow up in those neighborhoods and have to make decisions that on the outside looking in people are like why would you do that if you have the options of do it or not and there's no there's no third option you do what you need to do to survive yeah yeah and uh you know one <clears throat> that was one of my biggest pet peeves I, I never did it right so right you know, I never did it because I saw I, I saw what can happen. Like, you know, just out of the blue car come down the street, you don't even know and bullets flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you don't, you know, and in that game, you don't know who you you really don't know who your enemy is like that. You know what I mean? It could be a regular dude walking down the street from a whole different area and, and just let loose on you, right? And I seen that happen. They jump out the car, catch catch one of them slipping by themselves. I'd have seen it, you know what I'm saying? Right. Guy, in, guy in my neighborhood on a bike, got his headphones on, just 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 vibing to the music on his mountain bike, just riding. And next thing you know, that that minivan, that minivan pull up, he ain't see number red, number dudes with red, hop out of there, boom, 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 hop on him real quick, hop in the van, boom, skirt off. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like, yeah. that's the game of life, though. You know what I mean? And he got uh, yeah, lucky. He was lucky, man. No doubt. So you didn't play no high school basketball, no, but you no got up school. out of there. So how did you get up out of there? Well, I end up, I end up getting my GED right because you can't get into college without a GED or high school diploma, right? So mm-hmm. by the blessings of God, I end up meeting my AAU coach Raymond Jones. Right, he pretty much was my 
my mentor, you know, not a, and my parents was out of out of the picture, you know, which is crazy because you know I played at a at a gym called Burston Fieldhouse. They, you know, that that's where I lived. That I lived in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Streets in the gym, streets in the gym, just working on my game, hooping, just trying to figure out what, what my next move is and what I'm going to do, right? After just seeing death at the death in the streets, man, and, and kids dropping like flies, right? So mm-hmm. I had to figure a way out. And, you know, basketball was my way out. You know what I'm saying? And meeting that AAU coach at that gym, he always, he seen me playing, but he always thought I was older because I was down there playing when I should have been in school, right? Right. Well, he figured I was older. You know what I'm saying? He, he, my game, my game, you know, I got my game from my, from the older cats, right? Watching the of older course. cats. I mean, that's just what it was. That's how I, you know what I'm saying? So he approached me one day. He was like, man, how old is you? And I told him how old I was. I probably was 16 at the time, probably 15. No, I probably, by the time I got to, got down to that gym in that area, my granny area, once I moved over there and got to moving around and learning things, it probably was probably six years later when I started going to that gym. Hmm. And that's kind of like where all the high schoolers went, the Mateen Cleaves, the Morris Petersons. You Shout know what out I'm to Mo Pete and Mateen yeah. Cleaves. Yeah, all the mother Flintstones, Charlie Bell. Charlie we Bell. A lot, of, a lot of, yeah, Miles Bridge. You just seen what Miles just did the other night on TV. Baptism <laughs> and a burial at the same time. <laughs> Right-handed. He's left-handed. <laughs> I feel bad for Clint Capella, but it was a moving service. I, you know. Yeah, yeah JaVel McGee, Mate Ellis. Like, oh, man, we got some Flintstones out there that's still you know, in the game right now. Hooping, man. And, uh, you know, shout-outs to them. But, yeah, man, basketball was the, was my way out. You know, and he, he was a way to he, – he had a way of figuring out how to – get me on the AAU teams, even though I wasn't even in high school. When I was playing with Mo Cleaves, I was playing with Antonio. I done played with them all. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We used to go down to Columbus, Ohio, and play in our AAU tournaments. And I used to go down there and show out, put a show on. Nobody knew who I was. So if a certain player, like, as far as on our team, yeah, they knew me. But as far as the opponents, you know what I'm saying? I was probably, like, it was crazy. Like, if a certain guy couldn't show up, that's who I was. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you had so many different names, huh? Yeah, I'd have been Bo Cleese, I'd have been Charlie Bell, I'd have been Chuck Thrash, I'd have been all these top <laughs> right. right. You haven't figured out how he pulled that off, right? No birth certificate, no nothing, right? So I was like, and then the crazy part is I'm receiving all these college letters because it's D1, we playing in front of D1 scouts, the, yeah. top, the top schools in America. Only school I probably didn't see there was Duke. <laughs> you know, mm. they, ain't come, they ain't coming to those type of events, right? Right. <laughs> but other than that, Florida State, man, I, I was getting mail from. I was getting mail from. But the, And what was crazy, like, the mail that was coming to my school was coming in my name, though. Right. You they figured it out. They didn't care. Yeah. They just wanted the talent. They could overlook the, the, yeah. the transgressions. Right. So – I remember one day just walking the halls in high school because I wasn't going to class, walking the walking to schools, walking the high school halls, right? So the junior varsity coach pulled me in the office and he kind of like figured out what was going on, right? So he was like, I want to show you something. And I had no idea that, you know, <laughs> I had no idea that this was going to happen by me going down there playing in these games, right? So he, he brought me to the office and um, showed me these stack of letters, like all these college offers, like recruitment mm. Interest letters, right? So I'm looking at him, right? He's showing me all these letters. He was like, "Man, look, I, I figured out what you was doing." He was like, "I don't know how you down there playing AAU and you ain't in high school. Well, you in high school, but you ain't playing on the team. You know what I'm saying?" Right. 
So that maybe that made it not look suspicious because I was actually in high school, but I just went on the team, right? So man, man, he showed me all these letters from Florida State, Florida, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, North Carolina, NC State, Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa State. I mean, just all the top college. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. And, and, and given the circumstances, my living conditions, man, and, and, and trying to find a way out. So I took all those letters. I took all those letters to my AU coach. He was like, I ain't surprised. He was like, I ain't surprised about about seeing none of those letters. Mm-hmm. I've been telling you from he was like, I've been telling you for enough. I've been telling you for, for a while now you need to take this basketball serious. It ain't never too late. You know what I'm saying? Then boom. So I so. I was probably 17 years old. You got to be 18 years old to get your GED. So I had to make it seem like I was 18 because I was only 17 at the time. But if shit, I had to, I had to put, you know, I had to, well, they, they, as they mistake if they don't catch that. <laughs> no question. You know what I'm saying? So I had to make it seem like I was 18, took the GED test. I went down to um, Trinity Valley. I was the first college I went to, Trinity. I didn't care where it was. It didn't matter. I didn't care where it was. I'm, Trinity I'm, Valley's I'm, where? In Kansas? In Texas, Athens. Oh, in Texas, that's right, that's right. Athens, okay. Athens, right, so I, mm. I've never been outside of Flint. I've never been on the airplane. It took me two weeks to get on the airplane. Are you serious? You were, you were shut. I've, never, I've never flown before. I'm looking at these airplanes in the sky. I'm watching them land. I'm watching them take off. I'm watching them land. I'm like, man. Hold it's on. different when you're sitting this, on it, huh? Is this even real? Like, <laughs> mm. like I, they want me to get on that and be way up. Bro, I was like, it took me two weeks, man. Coach was like, mm-hmm. E-Roll, Eddie, why are you, why are you? I'm like, Coach, man, it's taking me, it's the airplane, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> new experiences, though, right? Yeah, new experiences. So, and then he was like, and then he was like, just think about it like this. This is this is what you're trying to do. So, this is going to be a part of what you have to do, right? I was Without like, question. Okay. So, I had to just, had to just, man, just put it in God's hand, right? And just boom. Got on it. <laughs> craziest. It's to like to this day, it's still the craziest thing in the world to me. Mm. Flying on the airplane. So get the, we get I get there. So I got there probably like probably like two months early. I had to get my take the GED test and pass that right. So I ended up taking that right, pass that right. Then the school I was at was uh Trinity Valley. They was the returning um number one team in the country, Tyrone Foster. Um it's like the junior college team. Yeah, JUCO. This is junior college. The Lone Star Conference. Mm. Um, Nick Van Exel went to this school. Uh, Sean Kemp. Right. Sean Kemp went to the NBA from that from that school. Never played in the game. Straight out of practice. Straight out of practice. Not no straight out of the Compton. Straight out of practice. Yeah, straight out of practice. He he. I don't think he played. I don't know if he played high school ball or not either. But no, he played in high school. He, I think he, he did. Uh, yeah, yeah, he played. In, yeah, yeah. Like not Mary. I'm thinking about Zach Randolph, um, Elkins, Indiana, or somewhere like that. Something crazy like that. Yeah, but, check, I don't know college footage of him. He came straight nah, out of he came straight course. out of practice because the coach told me I seen the footage. I was like, what? Yeah. Man, his hop's crazy. And he had, you know what I'm saying? And man, and we went there and um I played there for a year. The assistant coach ended up leaving the one who got me out there. So I was gonna transfer with him, but he ended up not getting not getting a gig. So I ended up going to so I went back to Flint for a summer. Then I ended up going to Brown Mackey Community College in Salina, Kansas. Mm. My soft, I did my sophomore year there, and I had I had I had NBA scouts coming to my college games down there. That's when the, that's when the buzz started. Mm. Started. I was at Trinity Valley. 
created a buzz. No, nobody knew who I was. And then some of the some of the same scouts was like, you were a different per you were a different name down there when I was down there recruiting right. you back in high school. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, <laughs> so what were the numbers looking like down there? College? Yeah, what the numbers look like? My first year, I probably was my first year I was coming off the bench, right? So probably I probably was averaging about 12, 13 off the bench. We had we had five all-star turning all Americans. They all went D1. Mm. They all they all went D1. So that next year I ended up going to Brown Mackey. And what happened was our point guard wasn't even eligible until like January. So first half of the season, I was playing a point guard. Mm. Bringing the ball up, not still getting probably 30 plus a game, eight, nine threes a game. You know, so that that got that had the scouts in the gym. <laughs> that was a rot, right? Right? No doubt. You know what I mean? So handling the ball, do it, just doing everything. Then once my then once my my point guard Dave Carson got back, shout out to him. He DC guard. He was nasty, man. Mm-hmm. Once he got back, I went to my natural position, two three running the wing. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm leaking out, taking my work. Yeah. So he ended up putting my name in the draft, right? End up. Actually, getting a lot of NBA interest, right? So, mm. me, I'm in my mind. My mindset is with my coach when he's coming talking to me about the NBA cup, the NBA teams, and interests. I said, all I need is one. It's, it's twenty right. plus ten. I just need one. What is one talking about? Right. You know, this is my sophomore year in college. I I didn't even play high school ball. And I'm trying to get in the league. Trying to get that check. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I end up putting my name in the draft in 1997 because RC Buford. I'm going to name names. This is, that's just what I do. That's what he's supposed to do. As R.C. Buford told me he was going to draft me second round if I put my name in the draft. Mm. So I did it, not even consulting with, not even consulting with my AAU coach, you know what I'm saying, which, you know, he's been guiding me the whole way, giving me nothing but the greatest advice that he, that he can give me and, you know, having my best interest in hand, not his, you know what I'm saying, not even trying to get me to where I'm getting to get something from me. You know what I mean? So everything was 100 with him. So he was like, man, no way in hell you ready for the NBA. You just learned how to play college basketball. You didn't play high school ball. And I, I, I trying to play two years of college basketball and then jump into the league. I was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> say, I'm ready. I mean, what, what you want me to do? Who say you ready? Then I told him, I said, man, R.C. Buford said they're going to take me second round. He said, that's a non-guaranteed. I said, I don't know. I don't care about that. Once I, I'm, I'm, Come on. I know what I'm going to do. I, ain't, I, I can go in there on a non-guaranteed and turn that into a guarantee. No doubt. That's, that's, just, that's just the faith I got in myself. You know what I mean? And that's just and that's just how that's just how I was bred it. Like, come on, like we cut from that different club. Like, come on, I, I can go hop in there right now and play. Got, got a whole different tailor. Yeah, a whole different, whole different, just a whole different approach to the game. You know what I mean? So after talking to him, I ended up taking I had put my name in a draft before I had even talked to him, you know what I'm saying? So mm. ended up trying to get my name out of there and then didn't even know nothing about, you know, there's a there's a time that you can, you know, there's a time that we can the take window, it. yeah. Yeah, it's a window. You can take your name. You can declare your name out before the actual draft, and then you're out, right? So David Stern made up some stuff to where he felt like he didn't get my letter or whatever. So I ended up going not drafted. Mm. So I didn't. I didn't have an agent because I, I didn't plan on being in the. And I tried to explain that common sense part of it to him. Like, hey, I don't have an agent, so what am I getting? What am I being in the draft for? And I don't got an agent. Right. Like, that don't make no sense. Like, come on, that goes along with it. that goes along with it. I gotta have a negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Like, y'all, you're a negotiator because once right. the season starts, you're you're 
There's no need. For you. There's no need for you like that, like that. You know what I mean? So right. negotiator at the end of the day. So I had no negotiator. So I'm trying to explain that. Didn't buy it. Nope. Nope. So I know I had to go. So now, now with that, now he's like, now I had to go D2 after that. Couldn't go division one because I, I'm, I was, I'm You're already cleared. Right. Right. Yeah. So I go to central Oklahoma division two, first team, all American, all that led the state in scoring. Got to the, got to the, got cheated. Got cheated both of my years from West Texas. They cheated both years. They got me both years to go to the, to the elite eight every both years. And it, uh, man, I, I still, I, I'm still salty about that. I can see. <laughs> I, I never get over. Like they cheated me both years. Like calling files on me. I'm not even nowhere in the play. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. Then they got one of those small gyms to where like it's a stand up gym, little college. Mm. Gym. They could the fans can actually scream in your ear while you're taking a shot in the corner. Right. Like they can touch they on, you. Like, they on the court. Yes. Right, basically. I'm like. They're in the action. What? Like, you right here while I'm trying to shoot? Ridiculous, man. So, and what's interesting and what's crazy is, like, it's crazy how things turn out when you think that, when you think it's bad, right? So, I'm thinking, like, man, I went, I just went undrafted. Like, what? Like, this is crazy. So, now, at the, I get, a, I sign my, I sign an agent, you know what I'm saying? My senior year, once it comes around that time, we are able to talk to agents and figure out what you're going to do about the draft. Boom, 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 boom. So, I interviewed several agents, picked the agent. So he came back to me and was like, I got to tell you something that's interesting that's never happened in the history of the game. Like, this has never happened. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, son, I got to get on the phone with teams. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're a free agent right now. Right. <laughs> I just right. hit my season, right? I just hit mm. my season. So with me, not, with, not, with me not being drafted in 97, I became a ref- uh, NBA unrestricted free agent really? as soon as the buzzer went off on my last game. As soon right. as that buzzer went off, I'm an NBA free agent. I was like, what? So New York was my first workout. And I was finna and I was supposed to make history again. I was supposed to go from imagine this. I was supposed to go from playing my last college basketball game, signing and playing and, and playing in the NBA playoffs. That day, right? But within like in two weeks, because when I went when I went on my workout, Miami Heat was in the first round with the Knicks. Mm. I was going to the games. What year well. was that? Was that ninety nine? Ninety nine. Yeah, that's when they, they when they, when they later, went to the finals. Ninety nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm at, I was in the garden at them games because everybody else couldn't go yet, but I was a free agent, so I was the only only person doing doing NBA workouts. Everybody else had to wait till the summer. Right. So everybody saw me already and, and go compare me to to the Knicks, whatever coming in. Agility. I was running a four two forty. I'm fa- I was faster than the, the average NBA guard. Mm. Jay Will. I said baseline to baseline. <laughs> you know what so, I'm saying. So you were in New York. Yeah. So what happened was, and and I learned this later on. You know, later on in my in my NBA career, right? You know that 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 veteranship, that brotherhood, that bond. So the player that they would have had to release to get me to sign was David Wingate. Mm, Georgetown. Yeah, so you got LJ in there, you got Patrick Hewen in there, you got you got you got them guys in there. Spreewell, Charlie Ward. Spree Ward, yeah. I met all of them. Right. Kick me and Spree turned up. <laughs> oh, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> a, lot, look, a lot of people don't even know Spreewell for Flint. Mm-hmm. Got kicked out of Flint, got kicked out of the Flint schools for being bad, and then he had to move to Milwaukee with his daddy. Right. Spree of Flintstone, he'll tell you that. Small world, small world. 
So you're in New York. How do you get to Charlotte, though? So Charlotte was my last workout. Mm. So what happened was I, I went to I worked off a damn near every team except Utah, probably in mm. Denver, Utah, Denver, Sacramento, Golden State. I didn't work out for them. Them probably the only few teams that I didn't work out for. So I was going hard and and, and living just seeing the lifestyle already because it was the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the teams I was going to was in the playoffs. So you know it was. It was lit, you know what I'm saying? The part, the playoff parties and all that. I'm doing this in college, like right. You got a taste. You got a taste. Fresh out of college, you know what I'm saying? I already know what it's going to be like. You know what I'm saying? So, man, that was crazy to actually do that, and 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 then just finally being like, "Fuck!" Like the league is right here. I'm mm-hmm. I'm snap of the fingers away. I'm just I'm I'm just a matter of months away. So what happened was, I was my last two workouts was in Miami. Man, Pat Riley had like 30 dudes. It was an ABC group two days. I don't even think we touched the ball. Right. That's a Riley practice. I don't even think we touched the ball. Like the first, I think it, the camp was like, I think it was like four, I think it was like five days. I don't even think we touched the ball the first two days. All defensive slide. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? We ain't hooping. I'm talking about, I'm so hurt. I, was, I pulled two groins. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew. I never knew. I'm like, what? I'm like, what is that? I'm talking about. I couldn't move, couldn't walk. Oh, it's a wrap. <laughs> the first time I ever pulled them growers, I didn't know what they was, what no how doubt. important they was. Oh, they important. You can't do nothing without. No, nah, you can't do nothing with that. No, nah, mm-hmm. he right. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, you done? This what the doctor telling you. No, nah, you done. You right. pull them up there. No, nah, you're done. I'm in Miami. Can't even enjoy Miami. All right. I'm doing is hot tubbing, drinking champagne on the patio. In the hot tub. <laughs> oh, you went from quarter waters to, to champagne now, huh? Oh yeah, like you already know. Yeah, come with that per diem, like per diem. Oh yeah, racks. No doubt, no doubt. It's so you leave Miami. Yeah, I'm, so I'm in Miami. Um, then I go to Charlotte. Charlotte was my last workout. So one grown, one grown was good. So I'm like, shit, I got one. I could kind of, and my other one was getting there. But you know, they just wanted me to still just do, just just see me just a little bit, right? So. Man, and it was between so my my choices came down between Houston and Charlotte. Char Horn, uh, Houston was offering me. Houston was offering more money, but Charlotte was offering more playing time. So I went to Charlotte. <laughs> right, makes sense. You got to get showcased, go right? I got to be on the court. Come on, man. No doubt, it's a, the competitor in you. So you you're in the NBA now, and you're in Charlotte for how many years? Two years. So I'm the two years in Charlotte. Then what happens? How do you get to Chicago? The Man, they, get, thing? they let me get on the market. And then what they offered me, they offered me seven years, 16 million. Mm-hmm. I was like, shit, James Posey just signed a seven year, $42 million deal. Come on, what do we, in the whole, and, and before the playoff, after the play, because, you know, we we almost, we had a hell of a playoff run my second year. Mm-hmm. Almost got to the finals, but we lost Game Seven in Milwaukee. Won't never forget that game either. Barry Davis coming to double camp, Sam Cassell on me, and you leave Jesus Shuttleworth wired open at the end. Of the <laughs> you still mad at Baron? Yeah, bro. He thought he got like, and we argued after the game, like, what, bro? What? What are you doing, Sam Cassell? You know I'm not going for the pump fake. I'm finna send that shit to the bleachers, and then we out of here. <laughs> Now, I, thought, I thought I could come jab at him and then relocate. You, 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 you relocated 
Ray Allen wasn't there no more. He went from the wing. As soon as you right. came down and cheated, he relocated right. to the corner. Now you jumping out, he ain't even there no more. You know, relocated in the corner. Three. Numbers. Right. Go home. Numbers. So you get to Chicago after they let you walk, and yeah. you spent five years in Chicago? Yeah, five-year deal with Chicago. Um that's when I mean that's that's when shit was that shit was sour. Like NBA wasn't even fun no more. It was like John Paxson, like just power tripped and man, it's just they like, we run we we changing coaches. We don't want to run the triangle. The triangle, we got Eddie Curry, we got we got teenage you. So you want our back line of defense to be a mm-hmm. kid that just came out of high school that's still a baby, 16 and 17 years old. These kids, these mm-hmm. these grown yeah. man league. Yeah, they 16 and 7 feet and all that, but what what they going to do with Shaq? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. We got to have a different defensive scheme. Like we come away like wait. wait. No, nah, we can't we can't be playing dudes. Who was your coach then? Who was the coach when the you first got coach the we had? The first coach we had was Tim Floyd. Right? From Iowa State. I remember that. They getting rid of these coaches because don't nobody want to run the triangle. How can we? Who who wants to run a premeditated triangle? Being the second youngest team in the NBA, with right. the kind of athletes we got, y'all didn't want to get out and run. Y'all fool, y'all fool me with that shit. Talking about we ain't running it. That's why I can't. I ain't come here to run a premeditated offense. Right. Triangle, like, come on, man. We like, come on, like that era. They just said, look at the banners. They said, look at the banners. Yeah, but Mike ain't coming in there. Them banners. Them, Banners, you gotta look at the names on them banners. No <laughs> <laughs> them banners up there, but the, the names on there ain't coming through that door. That shit over. So look, we gotta rebuild, re just play regular basketball up and down. No doubt. Screen and roll, no screen and roll, side screen and roll, pin down. This is what y'all telling me we doing. This is how this is why I came here. This okay. is what y'all telling me we doing. I get here, we running this premeditated. Nah, man, come on now. Nah. This ain't it. So we get we get Tim Floyd. Tim Floyd. Tim Floyd don't want to run it. Fire him. He he wasn't even there a month, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even there a month, probably. Then we get then we get Bill Cartwright. Chili Bill. We get Bill Cartwright. So Bill Bill was there for shit. Bill wasn't there long either. John Paxson was like you but said. I didn't like, I didn't like, yeah, when 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 John Paxson took over, he traded the whole damn team. <laughs> no I just knew I was getting traded just because that's. I mean, he man, we we clashed and we bumped heads because his thing with me was, I'm the type of person where right? I was raised different, right? To where ain't nobody really tell me what to do or how to do this, but I'm gonna be respectful and I'm gonna be within the guidelines, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be dumb about it. I'm not gonna be stupid and, and do nothing and say crazy. Mess up, stuff, your, right? mess up the church house money, right? So so when the media asks me a question, this is basketball related. This is why man John used to get into it all the time. This is basketball mm. related. So when the media asks me a question, I'm gonna answer it. Paxson, right? He get the he get to the point where he he done traded everybody right boom boom mm. traded ties traded everybody so I'm thinking I'm gonna get traded right so me and his me and his clashing was basketball related because of what I used to say to the media so mm. I'm the type of person that, okay you ask me a question I'm gonna answer right. I'm not the type of person that got that's gonna be a puppet like most NBA players are they're puppets they're gonna, he, company man he's not saying what you really want to say and how you feel. 
Right. You have a you have a stage to say what you want to say, but they're not going to let you do it. You're right. a puppet. You can say you can beat around the bush and say what you can beat around the bush, but it's not going to be your words. It's going to be what they want you to say. Right. So, so they come to me. What do you think about the triangle? Don't nobody on this team want to run that shit. That mm. shit. You're trying to run that shit. This is what I'm saying to the media. Mm. So now next morning I got to come to practice, and as soon as I get done, take. The, the doc, the team doctor, hey, Paxson, want to talk to you upstairs. Paxson, what you want, man? Well, right here it says it. Why? What did you say? I said, why would you ask me a question of what I said when you, when you know can read it? Right there, highlighted with that right. yellow marker that I see in front of your desk, highlighted my quotes. <laughs> why would you even sit here to ask me that? You know what I said. Mm. And we, and we just clash and clash and man, and, and, it, and he just got petty to a point where, and this is, and this is what happens when you see the general managers be doing too much. You're, you're interacting with the players. You, 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 you supposed to be upstairs and just move pieces around. You, you're not supposed to be interacting with us and doing all this and doing all that. Mm. But now you get to a point where I wasn't a puppet. <laughs> so somebody, but somebody had to go. Somebody had to go. It was gonna be me. I knew that. Okay. So what happened? But that's because, but it's not because of my me being outspoken or be me breaking rule, team conduct. None of that. Failing drug tests. None of that. Getting fined. None of that. One because of none of that. Nothing detrimental off to off the court. None of that. This is all what I'm saying to the media mm. and them trying to change me and make me dress like how they dress. I don't dress like that. I don't wear suits and ties and hard shoes and shit. I don't do that. I right. came up. I came up in the era where when I put that shit on, I'm going to a funeral. Mm. So that shit gives me that mind state. And had you sat out and asked me why I don't like to dress that way, I would have told you that maybe you would have had an understanding and and been lenient. And now we have a better relationship because you can sit down and you ask me something rather than assuming just because of where I come from, I don't want to do that. Right. Well, that era, that was the era, like, AI and everything, and then, you know, the relaxed yeah, dress yeah. code, yeah. and then they were like, yo, this is to the fans who are watching the game are afraid of, what, like, what? Because of what they're wearing? That was a whole nother thing, and I want to get more into that on the other side of this, so more with my man, E. Rob, Eddie Robinson, former Chicago Bull and former Charlotte Hornet. More on the open run with Will Strickland right after this. giving you more of what you asked for. It's the open run where the lecture is conducted from the mic to the speaker on with my special guest in conversation with Eddie Robinson, former NBA super stud, going and doing this thing, seven-year vet of the league. So you get your pension? Oh, yeah. You get your I'm pension. Like, yeah. Really you know, and, and, and I wore an homage to you because yeah. I know, much like you, you're a Patriot fan because of the GOAT. The good Dr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. T. Brady. Junior. Since Michigan, baby. All day. And that's also homage to, you just like me with that. And homage to Julian Edelman, who retired today. We know yeah, he already out. got that trip down I-95, right? Yeah, shout out to him, man. Or is it 75? Tampa is on 75. So you can go from Pontiac to, to, to Tampa on 75. 
Yep, I seventy five. Yes, sir. That's that so, route. That's that highway. No doubt. So, um, you know, what was the end of the NBA for you? What happened in the end? Well, things really took south went south when I fractured my foot. Actually, I fractured mm. my foot in Chicago. Um, Paxson really didn't believe it. I'm like, you can see it on the X-ray. It's fractured. So they Are tried you to seriously get- didn't believe it. Well, oh, man, I I remember one game. I remember one game. I went up to shoot a jump shot on the baseline. Right, Jawan Howard stuck his foot under me. I landed on his foot. Ankle swole up. I'm doctor. Oh, you're done. Shit sticking out the shoe, right? <laughs> and mm. I done, and I done tighten it, and I'm tightening it. It's just blowing up because I landed right on his foot, right? Paxton come in there. What you doing? What you doing? I said, man, don't come in here with that boy. I'm man, I'm done. Look at my ankle, man. Then he get then he get to telling me about it, the back in the day bulls and this and that. I'm like, man, listen, man, that's what's wrong with y'all now. Y'all stuck in that era. Ain't that's that's over with. Right. You know, you know what it, it's time you gotta I close can't the this now. You gotta close the chapter on that, you know what I'm saying? And and then so what happened was we we clashed so much, we clashed so much to where my agent was trying to figure out figure a way to get me out of there. So I was the first person to ever have an NBA buyout. I started mm. that. Okay. I started, I started the NBA buyout. I was the first person to ever do that. So they ended up paying me the rest of what they owed me and I wasn't gonna take the buyout. I wasn't going to take the buyout unless I had another team that I that I was going to sign with. I ain't mm. just trying to go to the NBA like that, right? So I was like, nah, I'll say we can do the buyout, but I ain't doing it until I got another team so I can be on the team, get bought off from y'all, boom, continue my, my, my career, right? So what happened was I ended up after my after the buy after the buyout, well before the buyout or and during the buyout, I was talking, I was in talk with the Knicks which is crazy. Again, this is when Isaiah was the general manager. Right. Isaiah Thomas, right? So, you know, I just wasn't sitting around. I was training with Tim Grover. That's Jordan agent. I mean, Jordan right. trained strength and conditioning dude, mm-hmm. right? So I was working out with him, working out with him. So Isaiah came to the gym. And what's crazy, <laughs> Rod Strickland, Rod Strickland was in there. And I'm going to tell you what he told me about Isaiah after this, but sitting in the gym, right? And I'm like, damn, Whole hour done went by. Isaiah still ain't came in the gym. I'm in there waiting on him. Two hours. Two hours and 30 minutes go by. Isaiah come walking in the gym. So him and Tim Grove over there talking to him like, yo, what you do? They have words, whatever, whatever. So I do my workout, do my workout. I do my workout. So, and at the time, they were looking at Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza was a free agent, too, that they was looking at. And he was talking about pairing us together. They were talking about maxing me and him out. And we was going to be the, the future backcourt of the Knicks, right? So... I end up do, I end up getting a buyout based on what Isaiah was telling me. So after the after the workout, Ross Stricker was like, "Hey man, you better watch Isaiah, man. He's slick. He real slick, man. You you better watch him." So <laughs> in the back of my mind, when I hear that, I'm like, "Shit, maybe that happened to you. You know what I mean?" But you know, right. I, I should be good. You know what I mean? So and Lord behold, he was right. He was he, he was right, man. So I get to New York. I fly to New York. To do the, I fly to New York to do the physical. I don't even see Isaiah. We can't find him. Calling him, can't find him. Go to the doctor. I end up, only thing I did was go to the doctor, mm. the foot specialist that they got there that's supposed to be like the top guy to figure out what was, you know, I'm already knowing what's wrong with my foot, but based on me signing with them, you know, they doing it for their purposes too, right? They want to see what it really is, right? So they shoot my, they shoot my foot up with, what is it called? Cortisone? Cortisone, yeah. Cortisone, but it was a different kind of cortisone to where it was like, it was like a dye. 
And this right. dot supposed to travel through my foot to the pain so they can see where the pain is. Oh, it's like when you take the CAT scan, MRI. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, what? So I, I'm not even understanding that at this time because this this is all new to me. I don't know the language with all this, right? So I'm like, okay, that don't, that don't even sound right to me. But I'm like, all right, so... My foot is fractured. All you gotta do is look at the, the x-ray. You don't need to do we like we don't even need to be doing all this. <laughs> that x-ray right there shows you where that fracture is in my foot. Right. So why are we doing all this and all that? Because they want to see if I can play like that. Right. They want to see if but they but my foot is damn near numb. Mm. And it's the foot I jump off of. Right. I'm gonna I'm jump off a numb foot. Can you I'm feel gonna it? I'm gonna play basketball with a numb foot. How am I going to do that? They thought you was damaged goods. You know what I'm saying? That could have been so. So get to New York. We was in New York probably three days. Didn't see Isaiah. So I end up I end up flying back. Like, man, I'm gone. I'm, I fly back to Chicago. My agent stayed. My agent was like, you want to go to the game? They got a game. I'm like, I ain't going to no fucking game to catch no Isaiah. I ain't trying to go see no game no way. Mm. So I'm, I'm gone. I'm flying back to Chicago. <laughs> you stay here and try to chase Isaiah down, look for him that way and do all that. But I wasn't going to do that. So I flew back. He ended up talking to Isaiah. They whatever, whatever, whatever. I fly back again. Same shit. Ghost. And then and then on top of that, they, they flunked my physical. And I didn't even take a physical. All I did was see the doctor. Right. And they said your foot was too bad for them to go through with it. Yeah, but 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 we didn't have no discussion about that. Mm. Nor should that have been said or put out there. Okay, if I flunk my physical, what did I flunk? They didn't say what it was. They didn't right. say it was my foot. They just said I flunked the I flunked the physical. That was it. Yeah, because y'all was scared I was gonna go to the media and say this and say that. I ain't that type of person. I'm gonna run in mm. no media and say Isaiah did this and Isaiah did that. Well, that's just what that was. And I'm gone. Like, so y'all got paranoid and went on there and, and put that false statement out there saying I flunked my physical. But what was it? What did I flunk? Because as I told you, I didn't even take a physical. I saw a team, I saw a doctor. Right. I saw a doctor. I didn't even take a physical. They try to mess it up. Right. So the and then at the end of it. Yeah. And then with John and then John with John running around saying what he's saying. And then that's what I wanted to say about that's what the GMs do. Look at look at Jimmy Butler. You don't want a guy like Jimmy Butler on your team. But guess what? The GM don't like Jimmy. Jimmy, you got to go. And that's what it be. Mm -hmm. General managers are trying to have relationships with the players. Mm -hmm. But like KG said, you don't want to have a conversation about me having ownership of this team. Right. But I play for y'all. I make. I, I. I don't feel. I don't feel the stands up. This is KG. I'm talking about. Oh yeah, I talked about that. You know, I'm gonna be talking about that later on in the, on the podcast. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. So it's like you can't be yourself. They want you to dress suit and tie and, and do all that. And I used to get fined every game we traveled because <laughs> I didn't want to wear that. Right. And it's a whole brainwashing thing. Like no, I'm like no, I'm not wearing that. I don't wear that shit. Like, I'm wearing what I want to wear. Like, come on. We so grown what, men. When I was in Charlotte under Paul Silas, he didn't care what we wore. As long as this we got players, there. This is why we need more ex-player coaches. Right. Ex-hoopers as coaches. They know they know the ballers. They know what they've been through. They know what they're going through. That's why I never got fined until I got to Chicago. Never had a problem mm. with nothing until I got to Chicago. Mm. Paul Silas so, didn't care about none of that. You, um... You leave Chicago, the NBA is done. Yeah, NBA. And you're like, what are, 
what are my choices right now? What am I doing? Do I still want to keep my NBA career going or basketball career going? Where do I want to go? No, what happened was I didn't, I don't, I don't, I let them put that perception out there. And, and that's what they do. They talk about your work ethic. They talk about this, like, come on, man, we, we made it to the NBA. You really talking about a player's work ethic. True enough. Like, come on, like, come on. So they say all that shit. Right. And then I, it, I'm the type of person, y'all want to go steal my joy like that. Like, I love the hoop, so boom, I go D-League. Went to mm. the D-League. I was in Idaho, Stampede. I went out there and hooped for a year. Um, what I do after that? ABA after that in Oklahoma, then Canada. Yeah. No, Big Three, yeah. Big Canada, Big Three, then Canada. Well, Canada, then Big Three. I played in the Big okay. Three for a year. The Ice Cube 3-on-3 three three League. Mm-hmm. Um, And then that was, that was it after I played after that. That was it. Yeah. I, I played in Canada and then, you know. So what got you to to stand 10 toes deep in the land of the north uh, in Halifax, of all places? Oh, uh, man, peaceful. Just, just being a peaceful place. I met my wife, Jillian, out here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So just loving Canada, like being just a peace, just a peace of mind. Like, man, just, just growing up the way I grew up. And 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 stuff not changing, things being the same way. Police killing people, like it's just like I'd rather it's not too even. Much. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, especially with that. Like they just killed another twenty year old over air yeah. freshener. I think. Yeah, in in Minnesota. And but again, then you, in Minnesota yeah, again. Yeah, and then you want to say you thought you had your taser, your taser. Like, come on, man! Like that's you don't so know the bad. difference between a gun and a taser for real. Like, that's the worst excuse ever. You point. You didn't notice that bright ass yellow in your hand? You didn't right. notice the difference in the weight of a gun? Like, like, like that's just another dumbass excuse. But man. here's like, the best part: we supposed to, we supposed to swallow that. We supposed to deal with that. This, but this shit, this shit is, this shit is getting so fucking crazy to me, man. Like, and it's, and it, and, it, and it, it's the judges too. They, they just, just as well as, as fuck. They in this shit too. That's why these mm. cops keep doing the same shit because ain't no judge doing nothing. Right. Well, they, they you know, they all together. You you found bliss with your wife, young child, up there in Halifax, playing for the Rainmen, you know. And I think that's where we first ran into each other um, when you came out for my tournament, Full Court Twenty One Canada. Yeah. And one of your recruits was playing in it, Julius, who is now yeah he just celebrated his birthday not too long ago, yeah. Julius McGee. And, and my assistant AKA coach. King Julius, and now he's your assistant coach because you're coaching up there as well. Yeah. I want to get in that uh, real quick. But um, it's funny because I'm like, I know, son. I've seen him before. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. who? What is he? Oh, yeah. I forgot about the team. Right? Right. But, yeah, so we connected at Full Court 21 and uh, just been cool ever since, man. And, and right. I appreciate you being a part of this. But – I want to ask you some questions about now you're up there coaching, you got your family, it's just peaceful. I saw somewhere where you said, you know, like with no compunction whatsoever, it sounded so normal. It's like saying the word the, you know, like it's peaceful in Canada. You know, I have to walk around, people have guns and stuff like it's just peaceful. And I like that about it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I love Canada as well. I love being in Toronto and and, and just the things, there's a sense of relief, which is crazy when you have to feel like, but, you know, I guess home is where you find it and where you make it, right? right you right. made your home in Halifax, great family, coaching, doing your thing. 
Um, but I want to get one last thing about, I guess, well, not one last thing, but I want to ask you about like your favorite NBA city of all the cities you went to. Mm, probably, I would probably say probably LA though. Okay. LA, like the city, the city with the stars, right? LA, New York. Okay. Brooklyn, okay. Brooklyn when I was playing, but they had the Nets, right? But it wasn't, they weren't in Brooklyn yet. But no doubt. Yeah, New York, New York, LA. Seattle, nice too. I like Seattle. No doubt. Now, who had the yeah. best fans? I'm going to go with, when I was in Charlotte, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Arco Arena. Right. They Second, were wild up there. The like cowbells and everything. I'm talking about. It was. It used to be so loud in there, man. When they they used to go in the room, Stoya Payakovich, Petr, man, that boy had a J too. No doubt. See Webb and all them boys running and gunning up in there. Yeah, that was, and they got them big wide rims. That's a shooter's gym. I love it. <laughs> okay, who was the most? Who was the most underrated player you played against in the league? Like he, he didn't have to be a star, but he was the dude that might have given you trouble every night in the court. Every time you saw him. Who would that be? You know who that'd be? AK forty seven, man. Kirilenko. Kirilenko. Okay. You know, for he probably one of the only persons to block my shot too. Oh, for real? Kenyon Martin. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah, he's sneaky long too. Who was the worst referee in the league? And I'm, I'm sure you didn't have the greatest uh, relationship with the referees, but who was the worst referee well, to you? You know what? I don't even know. Like, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even like that with the referees. I probably right. never got. I probably never got a technical. I, I can guarantee I never got a technical foul from a referee. Mm. It's just my mindset. Like they going they going You know what I'm saying? That's that's just a referee, right? So I ain't gonna be screaming and doing all that. And then they just taking your money. Right, right. Just You're not money. trying to get. Don't Rasheed mess with the church house money. Yeah, Rasheed probably gave millions. Like, man. <laughs> Hey, yeah, so right. you taking your money from just off the court stuff. You did, then now you get a flagrant file, fifteen hundred. Like, come on, man. That's light, right? So let me ask you something. You played in the league during a time where there was, of course, your guy, the guy you considered the goat, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, you played in the league during the time when Kobe Bryant was in the league, Allen Iverson was in the league. Who was the toughest to guard between those three? Iverson. Tell me why. I mean, his quickness, man. Mm. His quickness and his just his his drive, his his motor. He he, he was he a going, dog. Yeah, he going. He you know you know you know what you get from him. Forty plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then and then and then he's a and then he's a he's a high volume shooter he's a he's a guy that has the ball a lot right you know what i mean so that's gonna wear your ass out too just from that every possession he, you gotta check he, you know he coming you know what i mean so Aaron McKinnon and, up, and eric snow might have the ball but you set it up for irison no doubt 99 percent of the time <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know and, and 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 kobe you know another high volume you know what i mean but kobe was more Kobe, Kobe was tough because Kobe had Kobe had that. That's, that's like fucking checking Mike, right? Right. So it's not the same Mike, between them. Exactly. It's just it was just like checking Mike. They got the he he did the same shit MJ did. 
he did the same. Like they got they got the same footwork, the same shot, drive, wheel, all of that. That was tough. I mean, there are very few people that I know personally that have had that experience. And I was glad to get that and kind of insight from you. Um, But when it comes down to it, the world is on the line. Got to play one-on-one. Who is a player you would have wanted to face one-on-one to save the world and why? Oh, it got to be Mike. Because you do it? Michael Jordan. What the greatest? The greatest. Are we gonna live? Are we gonna live? Oh yeah, we living. That's just you gotta me. Say that. So you got him. You you I'm got like, him. I'm different. Listen, man. You what you see? You not Corey Benjamin. You not Corey Benjamin. Hell no. I, I'm different. My cloth different. Like we come from Flint. Like <laughs> like like, like I I bust Mike ass. Like come on. I ain't I'm different <laughs> like that. Like okay. And and, I, and, and I'm different playing one on one when I can just do what I want to do. A lot mm-hmm. of people didn't get to see that what I did in college. That's what got me to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I stole one on one. Come on, I was playing point guard. Them little guards used to try to get up on me. Wah, wah, blow by. I had that thing on the string, like and and I could shoot. So yeah, Mike, I'm giving Mike buckets. Come my on, man. my man, my man. I appreciate you. You see, Yo. you see, I gave him a bucket, right? <laughs> I, I, but you saw I put the video up. That's all. He couldn't guard that. I mean, Mike was but Mike was forty. Mike, Mike was forty. I'm, oh, I'm not saying that. I'm oh no, saying. and you know what? I don't. We play I'm a game. Where I'm from. No, we play Mike a game. From. Even if, if you're even on the court, play, Mike still had fifty balls that year. Right, and I'm saying if you're on the court, the only excuse is there are no excuses. Everybody can get it. Everybody can get it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you gave it to us on the show today, man. I have it on the screen where everybody can find you. But, Ed, I appreciate you, my man. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon when we come back out there for Full Court 21. Maybe, I mean, when maybe we can do something. When that is. Whenever this pandemic stopped playing, you know, during oh, the yeah. pandemic, I, I turned into the – be good. I mean, I turned into the pandemic. So we're trying to get it together for next year. Right. Never know. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you, man, and we're going to come back for more of the open run because it's not how we start. It's how we finish. So we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, bro. Eddie Robinson out there in Halifax. Uh, what, they, what are we calling it? Hollywood, California, whatever. Shouts out to my man E. Rob and his whole family out there uh, making a new way of life in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And it's now winning time on the open run with Will Strickland. Want to tell you the results of the Know Your Role, greatest role player in NBA history, at least since the 76 merger. Who won in the finals between Robert Ory and Chauncey Ray Billups, the winner, no drum roll, Chauncey Ray Billups. Or he got the rings, or he's a paid assassin, Chauncey Billups, sustainable. It's tough. It was a tough, tough final. I have to be honest with you, a guy who went to seven straight 
conference finals and two different conferences. There must have been something about his leadership. So on top of the fact that he started off his career as a journeyman, even though he was a high draft pick, bounced around the league, found his home in Detroit, then steered them to multiple conference finals and two NBA finals, one win, goes to Denver where he's from. Hard to play at home. Fans, family, it's tough. Goes and takes that team with Carmelo, Kaim, Anthony, and Allen Zale Iverson to conference finals against the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant. They fall short, but he did the work. If you disagree, that's fine. We didn't have any winners for the grand prize uh, as no one actually voted to or voted for Chauncey Billups to win the whole thing. We're going to have more opportunities to win more prizes on the open run, so stay tuned. But especially, oh, you know what? When we do our awards show, we have some new awards. Going to bring on one of my former players, my man, Dion Horford, who is a great follower, as I said on another episode there on IG. Going to introduce our all He With Us team. Now, if you don't know who He With Us is, it's a player on the opposite team who is taking bad shots or, or you got so far in his head, he's going outside of what the offense wants, what his team wants to try and prove something to someone else. He'll make bad plays all game. And so, oh, he was up. He's basically, for lack of a better term, point shaving for the other team, a.k.a. Oh, he with us. That happened in Russell Westbrook last year in the NBA playoffs against the Los Angeles Lakers. They got so much into Russ's head, it was ridiculous. The former MVP could not make shots, was taking ill-advised shots, and you could hear them yelling, oh, he with us, he with us. He knew what it meant. And for the first time, we're going to have an all-Craig first-team ballot all Craig meaning Craig from the movie Friday, a.k.a. Ice Cube. When you get fired on your day off because you did something dumb, that's one of the awards that are going to be coming up on the open run. Be sure to check that out. But I want to give some shouts out and salutes to, well, at least kind of, to Hubert Davis, the new head coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. We congratulated him last week. He has his presser this week. It didn't go all that well. We understood his sentiment, but when he says compromise, how black coaches compromise the opportunities to coach. And I think he meant there are enough coaches to, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to speak on what he meant, but it sounded nuts. And then it looked like he was trying to satisfy everyone with a statement about his white wife and his mixed race kids. It was tough to listen to. We get it, kind of, but we don't. Be true to, if that's who he really is, that's, you know, a thing, I guess. But it just felt like he was trying to satisfy everyone, and you can't satisfy everyone, Hubert. I mean, this could have turned off recruits. Ask Greg McDermott at Creighton. Could have turned off parents. You don't know. We'll find out. I mean, we live in a, a culture now that there's a sensitivity to lots of things, and I don't know um, if it's applicable here, but that presser was nervous. Good riddance to Sean Miller from the University of Arizona. They waited four years after the indictments came down from the FBI that he was paying DeAndre Ayton $100,000 to come there. It's tough. But they had to milk the cow. They didn't want to give him that big settlement and not have him coach. So they let him coach a couple more years, four more years, as a matter of fact. Gave him a small settlement, then fired him. I think that Damon Stoudemire, Jason Terry, and Lakers assistant coach Miles Simon, who won a championship with Luke Olsen in 1997, if I'm not mistaken, they're all on line one. Shouts out to Kevin Ollie, longtime NBA veteran and coach of the University of Connecticut Huskies who won a title not too long ago. Uh, he was let go of his job, but now he's got a new one as the head coach and head of player development for Overtime Elite, 
Good luck to you, Kevin Ollie. Talk about some random acts of Shaq, who recently was found paying for a young man's engagement ring in a jewelry store and also buying furniture with his mother for a woman and her artistic child. Random acts of Shaq. Not mad at him. Big man, do your thing. We need some good news in the midst of all this bad news we've been getting recently. But congratulations to Ennis Cantor, who now has the Portland Trailblazers record for rebounds in a game with 30. Not often you see a guy get 30, but there are people who believe that somehow the game has been changed so much that it enhances the game for marginal players, like Ennis Cantor. Oh, scoring is up. It's historic levels. Maybe you need to check your history. It's above what it was, no doubt. But historically, between 1958 and about 1979, when we got the three-pointer, NBA was scoring about 100, 10, 100, 11, 115 points a night. That's higher than what it is right now. Again, do your history before you start talking. Fare thee well to Rick Welts, a 50-year lifer in basketball, and the president and COO of the Golden State Warriors, the first executive to come out as gay in major sports history. Rick Welts will be missed. His contributions not only to the NBA, but to the Seattle Supersonics, the Golden State Warriors, to developing the Dream Team, cannot and will not go unnoticed. Speaking of the Warriors, rookie James Wiseman, possibly out for the season with a torn meniscus in his right knee, is tough on a guy who played three college basketball games. Was his body ready for the rigors of the NBA? Hopefully he comes back stronger and ready next season because I don't think it's worth the risk to bring him back this year. Oh, and to the Minnesota Timberwolves, in a state where a lot of bad stuff has been happening, their team's governor, or owner as it used to be called, Glenn Taylor, is looking to sell his franchise to Major League Hall of Famer, or eventual Hall of Famer, maybe, I don't know, Alex Rodriguez and his business partner, Mark Lore. Now, there was another guy who was a part of that franchise in Minnesota, the best player ever in your franchise, by the name of Kevin Maurice Garnett, who along with his business team came in and off made an offer to Glenn Taylor, who he ignored and then had the audacity to say that he didn't know it happened. He didn't even know that Kevin Garnett wanted to buy the team. Cool story, bro. We know better. Now, Garnett came in the league straight out of high school in 1995, but a class right after his, the 1996 class, is considered by many to be the best ever, arguably. NBA TV dropped a two-part series on the class of 96 called Ready or Not this past Sunday. And if you look at the 96 class, 61 NBA All-Star appearances, multiple championships, featured four future Naismith Basketball Hall of Famers, starting with A.I. Allen Iverson, Walter Ray Allen, Kobe Bean Bryant, and Stephen John Nash. I mean, you had other All-Stars like Stefan Marbury, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Jermaine O'Neal, Antoine Walker, Peja Stoyakovic, Zodrunas Ilgauskas, and more. Best class ever? I don't know. If you have an opportunity, check it out. NBA TV, the second part, should be on. Or I'm sure you can get it on demand at some point. But let us know what you think. What's the best draft class ever? I will submit three for your selections. 1984 had a draft with a guy by the name of Fakim abdul Elijahwan, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. John Stockton was in that draft as well. Uh, pretty good draft. Pretty good draft. And in 2003, we got hashtag he who shan't be named Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr., Christopher Wesson Bosch, and Carmelo Kayam Anthony, amongst others. Two of those guys still active in the league to this day. 
Future Hall of Famers, no doubt. Who do you choose? Let me know. You can reach me at my socials across these rough interweb streets. I did a little court surfing this past weekend as I normally do because I watch lots of basketball no matter what levels as I love the game. But in this instance, watching the National Basketball Association and a game that featured the top two teams in the league, at least record-wise, Utah and the Phoenix Suns. Great game. Two of the top 10 players under the age of 25 in this matchup between Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, people were asking, well, why is Booker so disrespected? Why is Mitchell so low? But these guys are going to have to prove it this year, especially Donovan Mitchell, who has a playoff resume and a serious one. And he will be an X factor for the for the Jazz in these playoffs because when they need someone to close out, he will be that guy. An amazing game between those two teams. And it was really dominated by a 35-year-old point guard who's improved every team on which he's been a part. From the 2006 draft class, Christopher Emmanuel Paul. He dominates the fourth. The last two, three years, he's been the best fourth quarter scorer in the league, or one of the best, top 10 at least, top five. And it's not just points. It's what he does when it counts the most. He's low-key. I'm going to stop calling him low-key MVP. He's an MVP candidate to me. With all the injuries to Joel Embiid, to... He who shan't be named. Nikola Jokic and his team so up and down. Still trying to adjust to the trades and new players. Chris Paul's brought stability to a team that has been so bad over the past couple of years. It's amazing to see where they are right now. Could he be the leading candidate for MVP? Me thinketh. Me thinketh. Right now. And another game that piqued my interest was the matchup this past Saturday between the Lakers and the Nets. No AD. No he who shan't be named. No James Edward Harden Jr. But the Nets still had KD, Kyrie, Blake, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, and who KD deemed as a, a shooter just as good as Steph Curry or Klay Thompson, at least not in that realm, but getting there. Joe Harris against basically what I like to call the South Bay Lakers. I mean, that's who they had. I wouldn't say they're all G-leaguers, but I mean, you had a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Kyle Kuzma didn't play. Andre Drummond is number one anything, but you saw the depth of the Lakers as they issued a 25-point beatdown to the Nets in this game. Kyrie got his first ejection and then takes another day off for personal reasons. He was ejected for jawing back and forth with Dennis Schroeder, who's alleged to have said the N-word to Kyrie. Kyrie, being the virtue pimp that he is, said, oh, I, the N-word holds this. and the, We know, we know, Kyrie, we get it. But I guarantee you he said worse things on the court than the Schroeder. Believe that. Did he say the N-word? I don't know. But it's just kind of funny what he picks and chooses to be upset about. I guess he needed a day off to heal his wounds. So he's going to sit out a game. Congratulations. While we're at it, may as well go through our weekly Power 10. Go around the league and see that in the East, the Nets, despite all of this turmoil, if you want to call it that, are still tied with the Philadelphia 76ers at 36-17 and 17 atop the Eastern Conference, while the Utah Jazz, despite their loss to the Suns, are firmly ensconced at 40-13 and 13 at the very top of the Western Conference. So let's go through the Power 10. At 1, Utah. At 2, Phoenix. At 3, Brooklyn. At 4, the Sixers. At 5, Milwaukee. At 6, the Clippers. At 7, the Denver Nuggets. At 8, the LA Lakers. At 9, the Portland Trailblazers. And at 10, the Dallas Mavericks. 
Paul George, who says he's not concerned with anyone else and what other people are doing. He's just concerned about what goes on in his locker room with his squad. After recently defeating the Phoenix Suns in a chippy game, chippy affair. Devin Booker, hard foul on Kawhi Leonard going to the basket. Chris Paul fouled by Patrick Beverly, who was out for three to four weeks with a broken hand. But hey, tough guy, you should be able to play with it. Paul goes into the media post-game comments and says, hey, look, we're not concerned about anyone else but ourselves. But, you know, it's a lot of talking, a lot of chippiness. They can't leave the past the past. Well, if you're not concerned with it, why do you keep bringing it up? And he also spoke about Rajon Rondo as a leader in their locker room. I figure, you know, if these guys who are, you know, Paul George, who talks a lot, but I guess is not a leader. Kawhi Leonard, who leads by example, doesn't say a whole lot. And they need that fiery leader in the locker room. It's not Patrick Beverly. We found that out last year. They needed a real point guard. They got Rajon Rondo. If you had to wait for Rajon Rondo to come to you via trade or buyout or whatever the case might be, to become the leader and the spark in your locker room that leads you to victory, leads you to a championship, you have real problems. And to quote the words of the immortal Charles Wade Barkley, I've been poor. I've been rich. I've been fat. I've been skinny. I've been old. I've been a Hall of Famer. And there's one thing I know. The Clippers have always sucked. I don't know. Whether you, and I, I guess, in a way, is that like the kiss of death or the kiss of life? Because if Charles Barkley says he's like Eddie Mush sometimes with his bets and you know his gambling history, then maybe that's the kiss of life for the Clippers and they will go on to win the championship in spite of Charles Barkley. I don't believe in it, but hey, whatever. Hold on to what you need to hold on to. Last but not least, I want to talk about a 55-year-old rookie who made his debut at the Golden State Warriors versus Houston Rockets game this past Sunday, 4-11, 4-1-1. Shouts out to Mary J. Blige. All right, classic album. What's the 4-1-1? Aaron Taylor, a former convict, was released from prison about six months ago. And while he was in prison at San Quentin, the Warriors would go up there and play basketball games with the inmates. You know, it was a goodwill gesture to give these guys some life, some hope. And Taylor announced the games. He was calling the games. He was the play-by-play announcer for these games. When he got out, led by the efforts of Steph Curry and the Warriors, they brought him in to call a game, did his thing. He did a 26-year bid for robbery and assault. And sometimes you make bad decisions and they're wrong. Aaron Taylor did that. He served his time. Golden State Warriors made the right decision by allowing this man to have a second chance to live out his dream. Salute to you, Golden State Warriors. And salute to everyone out here listening, making the decision without hesitation, moving accordingly to listen to the podcast where basketball and life are one. So you know what to do. Make sure you do what's popular with the population. Don't get beat off the dribble. And definitely listen to the open run with Will Strickland. Rich kid, you know what to do. Easy.